0: is nick flanagan weekly today's guest is my co-host of uh <laughs> i'm actually his co-host i can't believe he's i said he's my co-host he's gonna kill me if he hears this uh it's danko jones he hosts the official danko jones podcast that's the least of it he's a musician named danko jones in the band danko jones and they put out a billion records They tour Europe constantly, they tour the US too, but Europe is a real um, success story for them. And if you wanna read about them and their story, you can check out Stuart Berman's book, Too Much Trouble, which uh, kind of documents the story of Danko Jones. And we get down to it, we talk, uh, we get deep Toronto in this one. So if you're a fan of 90s Toronto names and, references, this is one for you, but we also get into a lot of other things. And I think you'll like that too. So check it and enjoy. So remember, you can also go to DankoJones.com to see his tour dates and uh, the band's tour dates, and also go to Instagram, DankoJones, Twitter, at DankoJones to find out what the heck is going on with him. And of course, you can join our P- Patreon and our Ko-fi. The links are in uh, the show notes, ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan, patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. Your support keeps the show a- rolling along. You know, a SoundCloud hosting thing, you'd think those are free, but no, you gotta pay if you wanna get a lot of things uploaded on SoundCloud. Believe it or not, check out my SoundCloud. Okay. Here's the interview. Enjoy. Okay. Well, now people,
1: people, we have to say that this is in your bedroom, right? Yes. Because I don't have a, a a Simpsons doll.
0: Yeah. Or a headshot of me. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) That's right. (laughs)
1: Mirror. Hi there. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Oh, that didn't sound good.
0: (laughs) Why? Welcome to the Nick Flanagan Weekly Podcast. And my guest today is none other than the acclaimed veteran musician and collector, cultural anthropologist, songwriter, world traveler, Danko Jones. My and, co- and host of the Danko Jones official, the official Danko Jones co-host,
1: podcast. yeah, and
0: I, which I sometimes co-host, sometimes, sometimes co-host, Danko Jones second, second
1: appearance.
0: appearance, yes, exactly, uh, two times. First, time has anyone done Damien. two times? Yeah, no, I like to have people in twice. I al al senior in the most, and uh, Kurt Newman, a guitarist, has been in a couple times. I think I like having musicians in more than once because. Oh well, you're not going to, but they're gonna. They play songs sometimes at the end,
1: and we I, played a song the last time I was here. We played. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm an adult now. I brought my guitar and everything.
0: It's one of those episodes. Got a lot of listens, not a lot of feedback. So if you enjoyed that, episode, which is the story of my life, actually, with uh, it's not the story of my life, but with the podcast, it's like I do have listeners, but I don't <laughs> always hear from them. So if you are a listener, please email weeklypodcast at gmail is this awkward like uh we're we have a camera in front of us for those listening and so we're looking at each other and it it looks like we're looking away yeah so we could face each other
1: but this is pretty high tech nick you've got it going on better than i do well i've been doing it for eight years
0: i have more uh like i have i record in my bedroom right so you don't have that going on you have a you you're you need to have a portable setup for multiple reasons so yeah
1: but sometimes my portable setup is just my phone when i'm on the road
0: that's awesome you can get a phone to record i mean that's probably better than this whole thing you Mm -hmm. know or at least i need this thing here i think it's great i think it makes people feel like they're on a podcast and so every guest has sat
1: in this room
0: sometimes i have people downstairs but that was before i got this second monitor i don't really see how i could you know now that i have this it's kind of a good excuse to have everyone up here, but if someone I don't know that well, or is like famous or something, I wouldn't really wanna have them like an inch away from me.
1: You know? Who's that been so far?
0: Just Scott Thompson and Sonny. Scott Thompson wasn't here?
1: He was downstairs, they were all downstairs. I see.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool talking about past guests uh, in in the introductory introductory moments. We never even
1: discussed where we were going with this, so.
0: No, I made no notes right uh we but but that's because i wanted to kind of like talk about um a few things okay like there's things i know to talk about with you we don't really get to shoot the breeze about you that much in the podcast
1: no i'm usually manning the uh wave files
0: you're in charge of the wave files and (laughs) you know you're talking to the you're interested in the person you're talking to and a lot of the time uh, you'll have uh, when we do a Q&A episode because we've done a lot, the questions are very present, you know, it's like mm-hmm. tell me about your newest record, tell me about your upcoming tours, Have you? what do you think of this band, you know so that's not the kind of thing I'm going to ask, I want to go all the way back, you know, people okay. don't know all the time, I mean, have we kind of outlined our history on your
1: um, well, it comes out in spurts, you know episode to episode, well. my history, your history what do you want to know?
0: Well, when I was a young man, I was going, first. before we even get into that, I want to say, you know, thank you for having me on your podcast right? as a part of it, because that set me up to, be, to do my own podcast in some form. It at least gave me lots of time on the mic, as they said.
1: Yeah, seven years... On the mic. ...before you started yours. And I was <laughs> all for mom. you. I was all for you starting your own podcast. I mean, <laughs> you're not held to, to just to doing mine. I mean, No, no. I mean, absolutely. Um, so what do you want to know? I'm, and now I'm just kind of nervous and curious.
0: Well, when I was a young man, I uh, was going to local rock shows as a teenager. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you guys, Horseshack which was your one of your first bands or your first band
1: well really the first band that gigged outside of yeah yeah
0: like small shows that felt like always like your first show you know what i mean
1: that's what horse acted
0: oh (laughs) well i mean we played like your first show
1: yeah well we played sneaky d's a bunch of times but we started to gain some traction we were too young to know what to what to do to get out of the city. Right. But we, you know, you basically, I think, I don't know how it is these days, but it was start a band, play in your basement or garage until you book a local gig Mm -hmm. with your friends' bands. And then if you gain any traction from there, you start to open up for out-of-town bands. That's the next step, if you're any good.
0: Yeah. And And also, oh, go on. Yeah, no, go. Well, I was just going to say, at that time... The playing field of people who were booking out-of-town bands was smaller right i don't
1: i don't know i honestly i i I don't know i just knew our little slice of the scene Mm -hmm. which was based out of sneaky d's and a couple of other venues that were bringing in bands luke klein was bringing in all these bands that we loved yeah and so i would always hit up blue or i'd hit up elliot elliot Lefko. yeah
0: Ticketmaster.
1: yeah to to open up for some of my favorite bands
0: and they let you so something was
1: Sometime, sometimes sometimes they let they'd let us and and we would you know go over pretty good and uh now when you reach that point you 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 have to make a leap uh, you have a
0: couple of options
1: yeah you either you know Continue opening up for bands and forever be just, you know, the promoter's go to band and you'll never go anywhere. Or you book your own show, headline your own show, and now you're a headliner. The only way for a band to be a headliner is if they decide their headliners themselves and just book it. And we learned that late. I didn't know that when we were in Horseshack, but I learned that from, of all bands, Blonde Redhead. Oh, why? Well, because we were opening up for bands, you know, our band, the band I'm in currently with JC. Danko Jones.
0: Yeah. Named after you.
1: Yeah, and we were opening up for bands, much like Shack was. Were
0: you Horseshack in that band?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was Arnold. Every, every band was just you were um, the name. <laughs> um and and so, you know, it was a it was coming to the point where, well, like, how do we do this? And I don't know, no, it was one of the brothers said you just book a show as a headliner. That's what you do. In blonde redhead. Yeah, that's that's the way we did it. And you just book it and if people come, they come, but then you will be thought of as a headliner. You know, it's kinda like Mm -hmm. the whole, you know, build it and they will come kind of thing.
0: Yeah, which, you know, in comedy is funny because I think it's much more rare, you know? Oh really? Um, Yeah, because the system Especially, I was it's exactly the same. Well, no, because in, until maybe the early 2000s, I feel like the system, uh, maybe the 90s, you could say the 90s, the system was yuck yucks, uh, comedy clubs and uh, regimented, um, you know, hierarchy and, right. and people going, you're not ready to, you know. And then I think in the 90s when you had people like Corky and the Juice Pigs or Sean Cullen and you know, management, certain people, they were able to book their own shows at places like the Rivoli and, you know, um, even in the eighties with kids in the hall, but I don't think sketch is the same. I think that's always something you had to book yourself. Right. Uh, and then in the, in the two thousands, I started seeing that more, you know, and, uh, and outside of places like Los Angeles or New York, where there's so many small theaters that you can do it probably a little more easily, but. Uh, yeah, booking your own show and, and living or dying by that it's important. Did Horshack do that a lot?
1: No, we were too young and naive to to know that you know. And we always just ended up the last few you know gigs we did were opening up for bands. We opened up for Wool, you know, Pete Stahl's band, old band, formerly of Scream. Scream, yeah. And uh, we opened up for the Jesus Lizard, yeah. uh, Luna Chicks. We opened up for I know I'm missing a few other ones. Mule.
0: Yeah. A lot of that touch was probably and go. One of the shows where I saw you was opening up for Mule. And your sound was uh really in line with that stuff.
1: Yeah, we were like a nineties noise band. Allies yeah, a- touch Lizard. and go. Yeah, yeah touch, touch and yeah. go, a
0: little bit Am you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: And and so we were opening up for bands like that or bands who wanted to be on Amrep and and uh uh we broke up when we had already booked a show. It was uh we were gonna open up for the unsane, so we never got to open up for the unsane. Oh, too bad. Yeah.
0: At Sneaky D's.
1: Sneaky D's. Yeah, I was unsane. At that show. I didn't go because I Grasshopper was too open. depressed. <laughs> uh
0: not that anyone listening well, the pro- the thing is there are people in my audience who go, Oh yes, Grasshopper. If you wanna know about Grasshopper, go to Grasshopper Records in Toronto.
1: And Have you had Derek them. on?
0: No, that would be interesting.
1: Derek's kind of segued into being a record store owner.
0: Yeah, Derek. Uh, from Grasshopper. He had movies. one of
1: the best record collections, you know, back in the day, like in the early nineties, I I looked at his collection and I was like, wow.
0: Grasshopper was sort of a unique band just because the singer, they were definitely in this kind of Nirvana-esque
1: attempting, you know, Toronto attempt oh, the, uh, vein. I hate the word, but I have to use it, grunge.
0: Yeah, but the singer Derek was very into, you know, hip hop and reggae and all this stuff. And he was very uh, vocal about, like, rap. And this was 1993, so that was how I discovered, you know, Notorious B.I.G. or or Nas and that stuff. So, uh, you know, thanks, Derek.
1: Yeah, we, we, we kind of all, for, there was a small little window where we all hung out together. Um, and I wasn't in a band. I was just hanging out and kind of, you know, just kind of surveying the scene for myself and, mm. you know, kind of gleaning what i could and uh you know derek and who else was there there's probably mike well the original grasshoppers yeah yeah the drummer oh Oh, mike gribben mike Mike gribben oh i'm i'm thinking mike d the original bass player okay okay um we all you know went down to uh where did we go we saw some show oh we all went down to detroit made a trip to see big chief (laughs) <laughs> so like we're talking like this sub pop artist Big Chief. We're yeah because we were all Big Chief fans and this is nineties like we're in the thick of it. Were they now. like
0: boogie rock Big Chief? I never yeah. really listened to Big Chief.
1: Well, Big Chief were you know a band on sub pop. Barry Hensler was the singer and he was in uh, Necros. Oh cool yeah. So <laughs> so they
0: were a Detroit band.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Cool cool. And so um, we all went down there and. What did we see? Grasshopper eventually open opened for them. It's all yeah. very hazy. They opened for them at uh, St Andrews Hall. We went down to St Andrews Hall. I mm-hmm. uh, met a couple of the guys, and I'm still friends with Mike G. I believe who books out of St Andrews. I haven't seen him in years, but whenever we we go through Detroit and played St Andrews, he was there, and I I kind of introduced myself and I said, hey, you know, I was. Down with the Grasshopper guys. I did this phone call tape that circulated in the with the big chief dudes. Yeah, I and, heard your
0: phone calls. They were very good. Yeah,
1: Barry Hansler and and Mike G. I believe and all those guys. They remembered uh, when I when I said, hey, I did that phone call. This phone call, and they were like, wow, that was you. And so yeah, the, the, you know, if you were to ask them now, they, or at least Barry, he probably wouldn't recollect, but. Uh, jog his mind back, and and there are some times, there. and and you know that all had to do, going back to uh, Derek, and just you know jumping in the car with them on the way down to Detroit.
0: I really had no idea that again this uh, opening portion would have a large element devoted to Derek from Grasshopper, but I'm I'm comfortable with it.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I think a lot of people, and at in the beginning, not in the beginning, but there was a time Derek's when. Rat. I that compilation. Well, we went away, you know, like we Danko Jones, our band, me, JC, we all went away and went away, meaning we toured our butts off and we left the city and we left the scene. And when we came back, it was new people, and we were seen as a completely different band than when we had left. Well, okay. So there was years of me trying to go, you know, like we've got roots here and everybody going, well, no, you guys are just like a radio rock band. And it was years of me trying to go, Hey, no, no. And now I don't give a shit. But since you we're, were talking about this, I'll, I'll bring it all up. Well, yeah, that's the
0: thing. So Horseshack was this uh, band that essentially had a place in this kind of burgeoning scene, even if there were bands that didn't necessarily sound like that type of music um, they generally stuck together, whether it was like a poppy band, like treble charger of all bands or, or, uh, cat rocket, which was a band with, uh, um, female vocals and JC was in that band, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, it it seemed like it was more tight knit in that sense and Um, and tight knit's the wrong word, but like associative through playing shows at places like sneaky D's, you know? Well, let's
1: see. I mean, we played with some of our like local contemporaries mm-hmm. that we played shows with, were the first one that comes to mind is Skuver. Do you remember yeah, that band? Yeah, of course. Oscar, Andre, Oscar, and Andre, and, and, and Mike, Mike Mike Gennaro. Mike Gennaro yeah, and, and yeah, and and Andre from the Deadly Snakes was yeah. there.
0: Was he in Skuver? I always confuse which bands. I know he was in Eighth Rib.
1: Oh, he was in Eighth Rib, and we played with Eighth Rib. We played Andre with Skuver. We played with. I think we played with Full. I I can't remember now. It's God. It's proving that it's getting hazier and hazier, but just to confirm, did Damien already talk
0: about all this on turned out a punk with you?
1: No, I don't think so. Okay, Good. I think we talked about how he always leads with punk rock, right?
0: How did you get into? Punk?
1: Yeah. And that's so I told question. him that kind of route, Yeah, but we're talking course, about like, we're jumping in yeah. in the nineties Well, because
0: that's what's so funny about me and punk. And is that I don't have, you know, in terms of going to live music, I guess it actually was like, Local kind of drunk punk shows, as they called them back in the day, which I didn't
1: go to those Kensington
0: Market, yeah, I didn't kind go of like almost street punk, yeah, borderline kind of way. Like it was, you know, it, it, it wasn't
1: my scene, but I have full respect for it, yeah.
0: And uh, um, so, so although there was a punk rock element to my getting uh for, first forays into music, it was like once I heard Ween or Jesus Lizard or Nirvana and then some rap uh it i was focused on that until i started hearing bands like dead kennedy's like you know when i was 15 or 16 so
1: it was well i was definitely mm yeah i I don't go to shows a lot and even i mean especially these days because we're on tour all the time i that's going to the office on a sunday but during that period horse shack violent Brothers. i don't
0: understand that can you can you unpack that expression what expression going to the office on a Sunday.
1: Well, I tour all the time and I play shows for a living. So going to a show for me is different for, for some other person who has another kind of job.
0: Oh, I thought you meant like ice cream Sunday. That was what i no, the
1: No, 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 no. I, I, I get, it's weird now and it's in a way too bad. But when I am at home off the road and I go to a show just because I want to see the band or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, I get a weird feeling that I'm at work, and and <laughs> yeah. so it's different for me now, and and so I don't I stay away. But I always I always stayed away except for this time period we're talking about, which was in the '90s when you know Horseshack was about to start into Violent Brothers, into the band I'm in now. Right, I was going to shows and like crazy.
0: Violent Brothers was your next band after Horseshack, and that was probably the first band where you assumed kind of a persona on stage that was. Uh, you know, uh, 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 extroverted, you know, yeah. because you were playing in, obviously you were playing in Horseshack. You were the guitarist and singer. We started, and, yeah. we
1: started the Violent Brothers while we did Horseshack. And right. then Paul, who was the guitar player in both just turned to me and he said, I don't want to do Horseshack anymore. And so we just, you know, we started doing the Violent Brothers, nothing against Josh, our drummer in Horseshack, but uh, Josh Rossett who is also the drummer of mudfish but this is so local it's yeah we can't go I'm no not trying people. to go deep local yeah, okay but I
0: just think it's interesting um
1: for, <laughs> that's pretty
0: for uh well it was you know, mudfish about, about the bands and 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 it's really more about the formation of like uh person like finding your voice uh you know okay so i can tell you the moment and it's caught
1: on tape so we were doing our first violent brothers gig and i was not really i was just singing and in between the songs nothing much was going on and if you remember bernie pleskatch of course
0: yeah from of course we all remember Bernie.
1: (laughs) well i mean to me bernie's like a rock star he's an incredible performer played incredible incredible
0: leather uppers when they expanded right
1: uh, oh, no, he was in no. the Stinkies. He was in the Satan Otters. He was in the yeah. Stinkies. He was in Satan's archenemy, God. Yeah,
0: that was. Yeah, that was. He was the locust eater.
1: Yeah, yeah, and he was the locust eater. And so,
0: wow, what a what an awesome uh, like very like product, awesomely productive person.
1: Yeah, I mean Bernie, and then I think. Uh, his last out, uh last band out on the west coast where he lives it was Invisible Ray I believe. Oh okay. And he joined the Subhumans for a while. Anyways. Wow, that's all very cool. Yeah, to me Bernie Plus Catch is like a rock oh, so, someone you look up to for if you get into rock and and you know, a lot of people outside of Canada might not know him, but he is the man to me. I think, and so yeah. I was we were playing a Violent Brothers show. Bernie was a little a little sauced Right, and uh, he just yeah he just started to yell stuff at the stage, and disrupt the show. Right, and I kind of liked it and kind of got annoyed. Right, so I started yelling back at him. This is a
0: classic mood for you. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of liking (laughs) things and kind of getting
1: annoyed. (laughs) Well, okay, you're right, but um, but it also uh, was you know what provoked me and, and, and got me out of my shell. And I credit Bernie at that moment because I started yelling one liners back at him (laughs) and getting a reaction from everybody. And and that's what propelled me to do more shows like that. And then when the Violent Brothers eventually broke up, I continued on with that way of performance into the band I'm in now.
0: Yeah. And after Violent Brothers, which made sort of a, uh, it did make a splash in its in a sense, in that it was kind of coupled with bands like, as you said, Satan Atres, which, uh, you know, contained this sort of oddly a punk legend in a weird way, Rustin Baldwin.
1: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say Dallas Good. No, and right? Dallas
0: Good, Mercedes, <laughs> who is uh, just
1: I <laughs> I didn't know you're le- leading with Rustin, but well, well you're yeah, right. I yeah, mean, no, that's the thing. Sure. Is Rust-
0: Rustin was in uh, Sudden Impact, right? And, and I mean, that's a big deal and, and in its own uh, small, hardcore sense, but they were a good Toronto punk band. So
1: Yeah, but you know. we were after the St. Notchers had already broken up and Dallas had already started the Sadies when we started the violin. But
0: puppet. also the first edition of the Sadies was a uh, very shadowy men influenced, yeah. And so it almost fit in. It just fit in. I can't really explain it. Do you
1: know the first incarnation of the Sadies? Not a lot of people do.
0: Okay, Sadies was... Uh, first, Dallas, okay, first incarnation this. Dallas Good, um, uh, Reed Diamond from uh, from Shadowy Men or Brian Connolly, one of those two. Uh, no,
1: first incarnation was, I believe, Dallas Good, Ted Robinson on bass, Andrew uh, from Sloan on drums and Sean Dean. Oh, wow. That lasted for a little bit. But and Sean then it was, was in the band
0: from moment one, right?
1: Yeah, it yeah. was Dallas and Sean that I knew. And Dallas would come in. We would jam in Dallas's place. Mm-hmm. And Dallas would tell us that he's jamming with Sean Dean. And Sean mm-hmm. Dean was with, in Fleg Camp. And we all loved Flag Camp.
0: Right. Which AL mentioned on your podcast because Fleg Camp is Eric Cheneau, these different people who were actually very accomplished players. And they were kind of doing a sophisticated version of what Horseshack was doing <laughs> in a way. Great. Well, a more sophisticated version. You think so? Musically virtuosic. Uh, were they doing kind of a Fugazi math rock thing? They
1: started with that, and yeah. then they became this kind of uh,
0: sophisticated. No.
1: Fuck off. <laughs> this, so you, that's like putting our band down. No, Cause
0: no. Because we're just
1: this these lunkheads doing. I mean, Paul Zeraldo, who was the guitar player in Horseshack, I believe, and I think Eric would agree with me, rivals him in guitar prowess. You
0: guys are all great musicians. There's no question. I I, I, but, I don't think it was lunk-headed at all, but, but it, it was- But
1: Camp infused more of a, a country, uh, country, they came from like a Neil Young country vibe fused with Jesus Lizard.
0: Yeah. So I guess what I, which by the way was like, Kind of common at that time. Which
1: we know. were doing before we broke up. Horseshack has recordings of us doing that and I think besting Fledcamp. And that's why I was so brokenhearted when Horseshack broke up because we were veering off into where Fledcamp left off. Nobody heard this. It, it's they're amazing recordings. Well, we should and include one on this on this. There's o- one on called Homestyle Homestyle Stomp and uh it's the best thing we we ever did that nobody wa- will I hear. I want
0: you to send it to us. I want people to hear it on this podcast. <laughs> Patreon only.
1: Um, Patreon well, only. So I'm making Patreon a buck or two of you. you know, I have to clear it with the other guys. But um, Can I tell you,
0: by the way, this is how honorable the Honorable Judge Danko Jones is. Uh, you reward me for co-hosting uh, your podcast with a lunch on you every time. And if we have a guest you get that much i think that's pretty cool sometimes you know what podcasts pay nothing you know what guests get paid but for going on a podcast nothing they spend their bus fare they spend their gas yeah well i mean
1: that's only the right thing to do especially if you and and or a guest and or and or or a guest and or a guest um take the time to do the podcast
0: I agree. I wish I could supply that. That's why. (laughs) I
1: I got a coffee on you, yeah, I'm all all good. You you
0: can get water, you can get coffee, you can get-
1: uh, But can we get back to the Sadie's? Because I like this talk. (laughs) I Um, love-
0: The Sadie's are such a huge Canadian band to me, in a a lot of ways. Well, I just want- Sadie's, Eric's Trip. The trivia, though. Dinko.
1: Do you know the- the, One of the names that the Sadie's were about to be was... Sedate weird because it was the first two letters of each person's name so ted was on <laughs> drums he's the t i think when andrew left it was andrew sean and dallas and then it was dallas ted and sean I well, think am that I imagine, are those are the Pyle,
0: like who was in the sadies for shadowy men somebody was
1: am i making that up I think so. I mean, I know they played shows together, but I don't know. And they were also in a band called The Unintended together? Well, that
0: was with... Uh, well,
1: Blue Rodeo Dude, right? Yeah, that was with Craig Okay, so Keeler. so it was Sedate before it was Sadie's, because now, now I realize the first incarnation was Ted Robinson, Sean Dean, Dallas Good, and they took the first two letters of each person's name. So S-E was Sean, Sedate was Dallas, and T-E was uh, Ted. Ted. So it was Sedate. But then, of course, they became the Sadies. And then I think Ted left, Andrew came in, and then maybe Belitsky came in. And then it's the Sadies, and then Travis came in or something like that. But I was there at Ground Zero when Dallas first started jamming with Sean and Ted. It was Sean and Ted. And Dallas would say, like, you know, he would play us these jams, and they sounded amazing. It was Sean Dean's bass, and Mm -hmm. Dallas, you know, could play just as good as Eric. And Ted Robinson's a great drummer. And so, you know, that was what the Sadies first started off being. They were like a full-on rock band.
0: Yeah, no, I remember that. And, and you know, Dallas was a full rocker in the St. Natras. And and I remember having a white St. Natras shirt that said, you know, I don't know. 666, six, six, right? Yeah, something. And it had, uh, and I went to the Guar concert in 1994. And uh, that shirt was just a totally different bunch of colors by the end of the Guar yeah. concert, yeah. which was so cool. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It,
1: that's just, that's just. Um, so we're
0: going deep Toronto. Toronto that's trivia. just what we're doing. That's this episode, I guess. So deal with it. And. Uh,
1: you wanted to go down this path. No,
0: no, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Like, just deal with it, people. You know, and uh, you can all. <laughs>
1: are they are they chiming me. in against our discussion here? <laughs> I don't get any <laughs>
0: feedback. I told you already. Even You're guy, on the defensive here. Even my producer, I sent him a podcast and he's like.
1: You have great. a producer?
0: Yeah. Wow. Andy Lloyd. Wow. Yeah, man, he lives in Hamilton, Rock City.
1: Okay. <laughs> you definitely know more people in the scene than I do.
0: Well, he is from ancient times of two where he was in some bands. He's in he was in Born Ruffians for a time, but um you wow, know, I've definitely it's so funny the music scene has just been so much more collaborative with me than <sighs> a lot of elements of the comedy scene. You know, like like Andy reached out to me out of nowhere. You know, and even on the Danko Jones podcast, remember I've had people reach out to me and say like, hey, can I help with the podcast or something? And in comedy, it's kind of like, it's just different. You know, it's just a a different mentality. It's not better or worse necessarily. I think because music is just inherently so collaborative, you know, and and people are really used to doing it for no money. (laughs) Off the top.
1: Speak for yourself.
0: No, I, I, hey, man. I once came home from a tour with debt, but we'd made money. We've all done that. Yes, we've all done that. But, you know, we technically got paid every time. Right. And, uh, (laughs) uh, yeah, so that actually can lead to it. I want to kind of speed through the Danko Jones stuff for a second, but I still think the the early days. Because after Violent Brothers, suddenly you had a a person, a persona. It wasn't quite Danko Jones, but it it was a bit more... But actually it was. It was the early Danko Jones persona, which was a lot more sort of um,
1: confrontational,
0: confrontational, uh, sharp edges, uh, bordered on punk, but it had a wrestling bravado a little bit, you know, but I'm talking like 70s, you know, wrestling, you know. Uh, We're talking Rowdy Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, these kinds of people.
1: Well, those are my heroes. Those are my wrestling heroes. They should be
0: everybody's wrestling heroes. There's hardly any wrestlers that matter besides those two if we're talking about cutting promos and stuff. I know I'm going to have a lot of people disagree with me because I'm completely Best promo cutters
1: are Flair, Piper, and Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Maybe a couple other ones in there. I mean,
0: there's guys who were killer at it, uh, but just didn't have giant careers like... And they weren't funny. So like you had Bad News Brown or uh, Jake the Snake. Those were great promo guys. Really? Jake the Snake? Nah. What about the late Ultimate Warrior?
1: <laughs> oh, Warriors.
0: well. Actually, that guy might be an influence <laughs> on the Danko Jones team. No,
1: please don't. No, I don't want to be. <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, I'd much rather be in line with, you know, a Flair and a Piper. They've... One
0: of the earliest like internet viral things that I remember was that Ultimate Warrior had a website. And he wrote these insane blogs on it.
1: Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. From what I've heard.
0: And he'd just be like, I want to, you know, I can crush pop cans with thought. And
1: Wow. What a superpower. <laughs> yeah. And he
0: used the Canadian term, pop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's you paraphrasing. <laughs>
0: yeah. Oy, oy. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks again for listening to this Damn podcast! I'm sorry to interrupt the interview with Danko Jones, but I just wanted to tell you that for now, this show is sponsored by nobody, nobody but you. That is, that's right. The patrons I've got on my Patreon and the people who've donated to my Ko-fi uh, page are the people who have uh, kept this podcast solvent-ish and good. And your support really means a lot so if you do have a few extra dollars or you're enjoying what i'm doing just know that if you do join the patreon or uh donate to co-fi.com slash nick flanagan you are helping me out and we do have perks uh episodes without the calls to action that's what this is uh so you don't need to listen to something that is telling you to do something that you've already got and um Special video uh, uh, clips like Kara G's episode on video, um, exclusive clips of my band Wrong Hole doing stuff, posts from me, stand up clips of me, mine. This is all on the Patreon. So I'm trying to keep it good and it's only going to grow. So uh, yeah, this is. Manner of letting you know that you can subscribe, rate, review the podcast. That all helps. But the most helpful is joining Patreon or donating to Kofi. So thank you very much. And now back to Danko Jones and me chopping it up. But and then so Danko Jones comes out in the scene that you felt a part of, you made a giant splash. People were trying. People wanted to put you on. You were doing what you just said earlier, which was booking your own shows, headlining.
1: John- JC was. Having a lot
0: of success. Well, JC's always been a huge driving organizational force in the band.
1: He was our manager all yeah. the way up till fairly recently, 2010, I think, yeah. or 2008 or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, John Calbrazi, uh if you're wondering who that is, he's the bassist in Danko Jones and has all, was also a big part of that seen in Toronto for, you know, I, I met him before Danko Jones, I'm sure. And you guys also supported my band with Allison uh, Dur- uh, Team card Combo. We opened Teen for you, crud, I believe. Yeah. At, uh, Ted's Wrecking. I'm right sure, there, I'm sure
1: you guys did. Uh, well, it was
0: only our second show or something. So it was nice of you to give us that.
1: Um, and that
0: was JC, I think who, who was just, oh, yeah. yeah. you know I
1: mean, a lot of the times he determines, you know, who's opening, mm-hmm. um, you know, every so often there'll be a you know a thing where he'll go like, "Do you know any bands?" And <laughs> I do when it comes to like you know kind of international touring. But when it comes to local touring, I I just usually just go back to the you know four or five bands I know,
0: tried and true. You've got yeah, triumph, just friends
1: because because we don't wings. I'm not in the scene anymore in Toronto. Like I'm not hanging out at shows. I'm not uh, meeting bands and and I'm not doing that anymore.
0: You sound almost like. Not wistful, but it's something where it seems like that period of well, time was something that was nice for you, because it was actually like a community on a local level in the place you lived.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, it was the, it was a time in my life when, you know, all all bets were on. Anything can happen. So much potential. Where does it lead? Um, there's,
0: Isolation.
1: Well, apparently now, <laughs> yes, this is the end <laughs> result. But, but I mean, I, I'm. You know, I don't think I'd change a thing because I'm I'm happy the road that we I mean, eventually it's a took.
0: Pretty good path. I mean, yeah, it was fun. You know, you guys get to tour Europe all the time, yeah. and it you know that period of time where you felt rejected in Toronto. I mean, the to me, I mean, well, it
1: happens constantly. I mean, it constantly
0: resets.
1: It you know you, you you're know. right. It does, and
0: and there eventually you know there are people in bands. Think of these people in bands who wind up getting bigger and then just moving cities and sometimes living in different cities. It's not like some of my friends in like Tokyo police club who don't live in town or, or any of these bands, like they don't feel connected to that scene. And also a lot of the, it, it really depends what kind of band your band is. Your band has just basically been this tight knit UNJC thing that with, with drummers, uh, you know, at times being major parts at other, you know, of, of the process and other times, you know, uh, going in, in and out. But then there's a lot of other bands where it's just like they're inherently collaborative. So they're always going to have that element to what they're doing. What,
1: like Broken Social Scene? A
0: band like Broken Social Scene or some of these, you know, there was recently an article in, in uh, I forget who, this this guy, Michael Rancic, a good writer, he, he uh, wrote it. And with just about, you know circumstances in the arts kind of forcing uh say jennifer castle is a great example so her band is like uh rob gordon who was drumming in lamush drummed in from fiction you know paul mortimer who, zero
1: idea of any of the names yeah, you these just are all really talented
0: musicians uh, and and these are guys and owen pallet is a good example i too. know owen Powell. owen was playing with like so many different people okay. before Final Fantasy and before Arcade Fire, you know, and he still does collaborate with them, you know. So so I think that's one of the only ways to feel like maybe you're in a scene. But in the end, it's just people that you call to rock with or whatever, you know.
1: Yeah, but look at you. You're, you're, you're throwing out all these names of all these people, and I don't know any of them.
0: Well, I'm a few years younger than you. And because I was doing stand-up on the level of being in the music scene, it was... Something where like, yeah, my punk band, Brutal Nights, wasn't going to play with Tokyo Police Club or something. We weren't going to play with a country band. But the stand-up, because the mentality of these people was still the same as any musician, which is generally, you know, kind of, you know, you want to laugh in the van. That's all I'm saying. No matter who you are.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, and, get, I get why there is a connection between bands so, and stand-up. And I was
0: also writing about music. So, you know, people wanted uh, right. to to send me their music. So it was just like uh that was that's the reason i know these
1: people well here's you know. the thing is like we you know i like i said i i stopped trying to like trying to you know vouch for this band and and try and you know place this band in proper context with people i i stopped trying to fight for this band in that sense but we did what every band wants to do which is go out into the world and tour but but the problem with that mm-hmm. is you get forgotten in your own city or your own starting point if you go if you venture far enough and long enough which is really what every band i think wants to do uh you don't want to play in your bedroom all all your life you don't want to play in your city all your life you want you want to venture out and see who salutes it outside of your backyard and your family. Well, it's a true testament to whether or not you're a good band. And and a lot of the time in local scenes everywhere, mm-hmm. bands don't do that and we wanted to do that and we got the reaction.
0: Well, I mean, look, this that's your take, you're in you're in you're in your band, so that's I respect that. I mean, the thing I would say that's another option in terms of feeling disrespected is you know, uh, since the days of Danko Jones starting, and as you moved on, it became more about bands like you know uh, rock, like guitar rock bands, you know, like bands that were.
1: That's not the aesthetic when we when we eventually left the city. It, it changed. What do a- you mean in the city? In the country. In the country.
0: I mean, you. That's this is what I'm saying. Is like there was a time period where you know this sort of three chord garage rock was. Uh, cool thing, you know, and even but even by the time the White Stripes was there, there was a suddenly there was a division between the two of you. Mm-hmm. And I know you don't like to talk about this, but I it, it's like, do you think there's some element of like a do you, does race come into not feeling accepted in these scenes? And I'll you can just give me a quick answer. We don't have to hang on to that,
1: But I just you know I don't like to talk about that.
0: I know you don't like to talk about it on mic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, because I, I am only saying that because, you know, it, it it feels like when someone is suddenly viewed as uncool or something, everything is up. Everything is up for uh, grabs in terms of making fun of them, you know. Right. And and suddenly it would be like, not only was someone be saying you're a shitty, they'd be saying like, I don't know what race this guy is, you know, or or something. And it was just like. It, it, it's something that I, you know, must admit I didn't, um, it, it's never obviously come up for me, you know, I don't like to bring it level. up.
1: Yeah. I don't like to bring it up publicly because I don't want it to be seen as some sort of crutch that I use in order to like uh crowbar myself into situations. I, I, I want everything that this band gets to be earned and I don't want people to to think that, oh, we have to, you know, give him the cover because, you know, he's a brown guy or something. Now that right. could be in my head, and maybe it is, and it probably is. But I just don't like to put race in, in the forefront of, of any discussion on our band. And yeah. I've I've turned down opportunities that would have given me a lot of exposure because they weren't asking me uh to be on their show or program because I was in a band, they were asking me because I was of a certain descent or ethnicity and that's what they were leading me on with. Right. right. So so I, I, I just want the music to speak for itself. Now, having said that and taking into the fact that things go in cycles and maybe rock music wasn't in vogue at a certain point and mm-hmm. I was on the receiving end of that, especially because I was presenting it in a loud fashion, there is... And this is all I'm going to say about it. There Mm -hmm. is an underlying vibe that I get knocked down Mm -hmm. by certain self-proclaimed pundits because they think I'm too uppity, whether they acknowledge it or not. And that's all I'm going to say.
0: Well... I think no. I think I, I would counter. <laughs>
1: that's why I don't want to talk about it because no, it opens no, up.
0: I definitely know what you're talking about, and I probably I think that again. I'm. I just look. You're you. You've dealt with this a lot more than like you've dealt with being viewed whatever way you're viewed a lot more than I have. Sure. Sure. And uh, uh, I will say that you are one of the more opinionated people I know. <laughs> and uh, but that's that's that should be fine. I've known, but. And, and for me, the only kind of context I can give in this sense is just when people who I don't think are Jewish go like, so you, you're Jewish, aren't you? You got the Jewish notes. And I'll be like, no, this is uncomfortable. You know, like what's the or not like what's the motivation behind all of this? You know, and, and, and so that's and that probably is something that someone who is more visibly of color or something would be thinking behind a, like. Unfortunately, as you said, even questions where it's like, uh, can you play this diversity showcase? You got like, what's the motivation behind this? Is it so CBC can feel good about Yeah, I don't you know.
1: like doing that stuff. So, yeah. so but anyway. Another thing is, and I'll leave it at this, is my whole entire life. Uh because, you know, for better or for worse, Toronto is more multicultural now than when I was growing up. So, did you
0: grow up downtown? Though you didn't, you grew up a little bit up in Scarborough,
1: right? I grew up in Willowdale and then moved to Scarborough. My
0: father is from Willowdale. Yeah, that nice.
1: And it's it was only a few bus stops away, really. But we were on the border of Willowdale Scarborough to begin with.
0: That's a very white neighborhood, I would imagine.
1: Especially when I was growing up. But growing up, going to school, and being asked, not like, "What's your background?" or "What are you?" That is the question that has hovered over my head my whole life so that has some sort of like imprint on my psyche like what are you
0: but that's positive S- in a way not not that i'm saying the positive the positivity that you made out of that
1: oh but, well yeah you yeah, have you, to you kind of
0: like really like had to say well okay this is not what i am but this is like who I am. And also when it comes to like being a rock frontman, in a sense, it's what I
1: am being yeah. of mixed race growing up where I w- grew up and when I grew up and having to hear, what are you? And Hey, that's listen- insane. I mean, way. but, but it's, but it's also that. better than it, it, better than it could have gone. You know, That's like it, there's also a lot of, and uh, on the other hand, I, I did was on the receiving end of a lot of hate and and stuff, and but I don't like to lead with that. I want I like to lead with the rock tunes. We're actually
0: ending with that. I mean, I'm not done yet, but I mean, we yeah, are. Yeah, but it's
1: just all about rock music. It has nothing to do with race. It's well, music. Here's is, the other irony: is beyond borders and ethnicity. I, I completely
0: agree with you, but the other irony of this is irony is that you know I think that on in terms of that universal acceptance, you probably have that. At arena shows in Europe, uh, at, as much at like for Danko Jones, you know,
1: I've been accepted. Like, I mean, our saying. band like, has like, been more accepted in Europe than than in uh, Canada. This
0: is what I'm saying. Oh, you know, okay. this, this is that's exactly what. Not not that, but like, you know, on a, on a level where like that almost just doesn't matter. You know, it's like. It, not that it ever would be said in a, a country like Canada, but, you know, that's the underlying feeling you have for whatever reason, you know, like, or that is an underlying feeling that could come up in. And, and I feel like you face it more in Canada with local press, with that kind of thing. Then yeah. then. So that's a huge irony to me, you know, and that's and that's the reality of, a, in a sense, a problem with. uh Criticism, North American criticism, North American writing is there always has to be, especially now, an element of snark, a thing where you kind of have to put yourself above something you don't like, you know? And um, yeah, there's
1: been a few instances where I've, you know, very, you know, sussed out, you know, who the re- like, you know, there's been people who attach to Now Magazine who, you know, Now Magazine is a very open open-minded, uh yeah. very welcoming kind yeah, of publication.
0: Progressive, but there's you
1: know? also peep whether they know it or not, there's people who write under them who have tweeted like some serious hate shit about me. So, you know, what are we gonna do about that? <laughs> I'm gonna just all I do is I screen shoot it. Your body
0: language right now is put it in very a, well
1: put it in a folder that I have and and uh just we'll see if it comes in use or in handy sometime but but that you know, not a lot of people know that they're not on the the radar, but I am because it's directed right at me. well, here, let me now move the topic. Thank you. I don't want to talk about this because it gets me angry. but it also it's it's a topic that I don't want to talk I want to just talk about the music. I know.
0: know I just kind of wanted to insert it in there because. I don't know I just I, I don't i don't want to deal with it on a level where it bothers you or it repeats itself but I just think it's kind of worth people you know taking a it I don't of want another.
1: sympathy I don't want anyone's sympathy if you don't like the music then you don't like the music if you like the music then you like the music okay but what how I look like should never matter it's it's also a thing where why don't
0: you wear a bodysuit then with a mat like a gimp suit right no I get your
1: I get, no, yeah. I get that point no I I'm, get that point I'm'm I can't it's always going to be there, basically, is what you're saying. Let's it's just going see to be my deep.
0: band kind of stopped when the bald spot got a bit bigger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> about? You can, um, yeah, you can
0: spray that with sweat proof. <laughs> 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 I can shave my head. Is
1: that how vain you are?
0: Yes. No, oh, okay. I'm not vain. Well, no, the, the, the band stopped because uh, <laughs> I have no idea how to operate within it. But getting back <laughs> to... Uh, Uh, getting back to what another element about about your personas and stuff is i always thought that one of the biggest influences on actually kind of off like both your writing style as well as your persona and just some of the ways you live your life seems to be henry rollins wow you had a black coffee earlier
1: that's not black that's black not henry Someone Rollins. black coffee oh, you're, so you're basing it on just cough like black coffee you sort of talk like Rollins. you're kind of like
0: hey everyone i'm i'm here to <laughs> get out <of> here. <laughs>
1: that's so funny
0: and Rollins in in Rollins band in the 90s you know he was making those those danko jones uh, uh neck neck flexes
1: you're putting stuff that i have no control over on me like at least how do I have <laughs>
0: uh,
1: only you can get away with saying that to me <laughs> um, but I mean my neck is my neck my neck is is is
0: is <laughs> that's gonna be the title of this episode
1: <laughs> my neck is my neck
0: it's <laughs>
1: but I mean it's 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 I, I, I bang my head or I used to bang my head a lot
0: yeah yeah I just thought that you but know Henry.
1: Ro- I mean, it's not he was an insult. So to me.
0: at the forefront, you know, and he's, uh, that's you, not you're an you're insult. It's a compliment. Could write a, a weekly column outlining opinions about stuff. Another as a as a rock musician, and he, he and he does, does that too. He does that, and he, you know, he's but, uh, very controlled. You know, and I'm not saying you're very controlled, but you have a system that you've abided by. You know, for a long time. I think you know. And I it's mean, just,
1: I respect Henry, and I like his music, and. But that's kind of where it stops. I mean, I, I mean, I when I realized we have the same background in the sense that we both went to all boys schools, wow, then things same kind birthday? of lined up. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, but things kind of lined up at least, you know, to a certain extent. Um, but I, I'm not trying to fashion myself after Henry Rollins, I play guitar and sing. He just he sings. He doesn't know
0: how to play. He probably. He just sings. Do you think he plays guitar?
1: Does he think he knows how to play music? No. I think he I think he uh, just sings, right? You know, and, and writes melodies.
0: When I met Henry Rollins, I met him twice. At HMV. Uh, Sam the Record Man. But the first time. Sam the Record Man. Was the first time he was at Harborfront where I worked doing dishes. Uh, you know, this cultural area at the waterfront that used to have tons of cool shows, actually. And uh, he was like, Hey, I'll have a mac and cheese, please. And then at Sam the Record Man, as I guess I've said on probably your podcast, it was uh he came in. I made sure he I gave he bought all these CDs. I said, "How's tour?" He said, "It's a struggle."
1: Yeah, I remember you said that. <laughs> "It's a struggle." And
0: then I said, "Would you like a discount card?" He said, "I don't really care." I said, "Take the discount card." <laughs> I know you're counting your pennies, bro.
1: You know. Uh, uh yeah, I mean, I've had a few encounters with him over the years and mm-hmm. one being your podcast the right. podcast where I kind of cornered him into doing it and to his credit he obliged even though you know he had other things to obviously do and yeah. it was but I wore him down yeah killed him with kindness and and the last I heard there was a mutual, kind of not friend but a mutual person who said henry says hi oh that's nice so that was nice
0: yeah i mean i, I just think that and and there are differences because he kind of had that period of like serious uh um sass you know outside of of the stage where he'd just do interviews and he'd be like you're you're stupid you know like there's an <laughs> early interview with him and nard while we really meeting. there's a there's an interview with uh a woman actually in a car talking to Black Flag, where he's like super angry. I mean, it's well. There's an interview. He has more issues, I think, than oh, you would sure. have. You
1: know, I, I, there's an interview that with me and Matt Galloway that exists somewhere where we interviewed Henry Rollins. Both of you. Both of us.
0: Well, like, were you him?
1: No, it was through the phone, but Matt invited me to do it.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Yeah,
1: that was years and years ago before Matt joined the CBC.
0: So, okay. So Rollins is out as a role
1: model. No, I,
0: I no but, he's but, not
1: he's not out as a role model. I, I just think mean, who
0: are some of them? Let's right. say he's yeah. in that mix. Yeah, that he would stew. be in the mix.
1: Honestly, yeah, he I would. think
0: he's in any front person's mix. Yeah, in, like, I believe so. Nineteen with a punk background so. going, going through the nineties. sure. I used to sort of. I had a period. I think a lot of people had this period of time where people who weren't there in the 80s as this stuff was coming out where I was just when I first heard all the Black Flag prior to Rollins I was like oh this is much chiller much cooler and and more and faster you know so I kind of wrote off Rollins for a few years and then I think it was my war and then I was like
1: "Uh, Lifetime by the Rollins band is yeah one of the greatest rock records ever put out
0: you know and then I kind of walked away from it so yeah, he was definitely there for me too.
1: For role models, I would say is like I would say Henry is definitely in there, especially when I found out he went to an all-boy school when I was going to an all-boy school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ian Mackay and Chuck D. Yeah. Those are those are kind of the role models, if I had any, that I lead with. And it, it's always I think Damien and I have talked about it with you, maybe. Yeah, what would Ian do? Is oh. something that crosses our heads a lot. And I've led with that in terms of, you know, some of the decisions the band has made. Like, would Ian Mackay do this? Right. And sometimes, you know, I'm I'm at the point where I, I just say, well, I don't care what Ian does. I'm gonna do what I wanna do. And I've I've not had a talk with Chuck D, but I have with with Ian and Henry. And both of them have been I've walked away going, wow, that didn't ruin this whole kind of meet your hero, never meet your heroes uh, yeah. thing. It, it, it was great. It went down great.
0: Those seem like guys who just are the way they are, which is a, a great, a great way to be. I
1: Ian, think, yeah, you know,
0: and it's it's what I strive for, and I'm very far away from. You know, it's like a lot of time I'll meet different people and just assume I'll just be a bit adaptive of of who they are, which I kind of do as a means of. Um, I everybody comfortable, you know, but it's like, you can't do that too much because you might wind up becoming like disingenuous and losing track of, of who you are. Like, it's better to have some level of an attitude or, or, you know, not, you know, be mindful of your convictions or whatever,
1: you know? I think, I think a lot of the whole Henry Rollins thing is, is, uh, I mean, with Henry being, I think to a lot of people standoffish or cold is because he's got a million people coming at him. And uh, the only reason why I came to that conclusion is when I started to feel that as well. Not that I've got a million people coming at me, but you get burned a lot. And he's been burned by maybe being a little too open or nice by people, I have. And then that just closes it off even further.
0: I think anytime you're in entertainment, there's gonna be these elements of lots of people, even with me, I've had this, where people want to do something for you. They wanna collaborate or they want to play with you or they want you to hear their thing. And it it becomes kind of, uh, not only are you too open or friendly necessarily, but you feel obliged, you know? And uh, that's probably in the early phases of it. You know, you wind up feeling this obligation. And at some point it's like, well, how much is this gonna drain you? You know, and how much is this going to take you away well, I'm, from what I'm,
1: you need to do? I'm just talking about people that we were cool with, and then find out from a third party that they were, you know, talking shit. It's high school stuff, but you it ever goes heard on. That I
0: was talking smack. No. Why didn't I ever do that? I should have done that.
1: You did it in a roundabout way. Well, I do it constantly to you in a roundabout. In a roundabout way, but when no one roundabout one's,
0: about takes you to the.
1: I've never gotten an email from another band going, "So and so was talking shit about you." But, you know, we stood up for you and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, like this is, we do nothing to nobody. Like, I don't talk to anyone outside of our circle when we're on tour.
0: Well, that's ironic. I mean, too, because it's like people in Toronto who, you know, or not Toronto, but just people in a, in a scene who might say, well, so-and-so is not relevant. And it's like, well, they're not relevant to you because they have a fan base now. You know, it's like they have a specific fan base That is larger, that does not need to involve you. And so if you go, where are they? What happened to them? It's like, well, you know, nine times out of ten, they're still fucking doing their thing. Whether it's like Afro Man or (laughs) the Baja Man, Dango Jones, Uh, um, Will Afford. Candy Alexander who's an actress I don't
1: know Willa Ford or Candy I know who the Baja men are (laughs) and
0: Afro men Uh, but Afro men
1: didn't Afro men like just punch a woman on stage
0: (laughs) I hope not but probably Jesus Kid Rock The Darkness
1: (laughs) You are being one of those people by the way right now I've named a
0: few too many artists of color. If that's what
1: you mean, with a laugh after every
0: oh, you know the amount of people that think that I'm horrible because I'll laugh in the middle of saying something is a lot smirk. of people. See, they'll, they'll read a smile <laughs> as a smirk. Yeah, they'll read a compliment as see. Sarcastic. I don't
1: think that because I know you, but think yeah. about all the people who don't know you very
0: well. Oh, I do every night as I as
1: I can't <laughs> sleep and I pop a pin. Well, well, don't let it don't let it eat you up like that. No, no. I won't. Like, lead with, you know, the way to get, get to sleep at night is just knowing that you haven't done anything wrong to anybody deliberately, right? And then that'll everything will be fine. Well, you know, that's a huge, that is a huge
0: thing where it's like, at some point, after going to all of this, uh, through all this, like, ADHD stuff and, like, mental health stuff, I was like, wow, you know, like, my intentions actually, if ever they were, like, something where I was, like, trying to, if I did something bad, it was it, I, I can trace it to being angry or hurt at least. And it, that's rare, you know? And it's so, so the intentions are generally good and it's like, then you make someone mad and, you know, then you kind of get confused because you're like, you know, good intentions. Well, I tried my best and it didn't work out, but it is. I I've slept better since all of that. Yeah. So thank you.
1: Yeah. I, I, I always just like try to, you know, be cool to everybody. And uh, if anybody does any harm to us, unprovoked harm, well then Take they're, the Tommy they're fucking Take dead out to the me. Tommy gun. Yeah, they're they're dead to me. So it's a I'm go, go, very go, 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 go. I'm very black and white, very zero to a hundred and back.
0: Would you say Scarface? Um the character from the movie, Scarface, would be an influence on the Danko Jones persona? No. Can you do an impression quickly?
1: Anybody can. Do it. I'm not gonna do an impression. I'm muck. I can't do
0: it. <laughs> hey, I'd like to do an impression. That's hey, a Pacino. I'll play, the, I'll play the Cuban
1: guy. No, that's that's, that's Pacino going for the role of, of Scarface.
0: <laughs> well, look, we got to go. We got places to go, things to do. You said you're going to Best Buy later, if I can share that information. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I've got these gift certificates that are burning a hole in my nice. wallet.
0: You got to buy pop screens. I just realized, bro don't have pop screens Screens no, for your mics, and I do.
1: You're you're ahead of me on this. You
0: came in here and you're like stoked on my. Um, do you like I have a plant here? Your
1: your ye- your blue mics are better than mine too. You think so? Yeah, these are more updated. That mine are. Well, I bought them like more recently. Yeah, you know, so. they're better than mine. The, got windscreens. Maybe you've got these wind screens. You've got time
0: for you to update a the, monitor, you know,
1: monitor to look at yourself. You've got a bigger can. screen. Everything's way better than I, I my a, setup.
0: No, your setup's great, man. You know, you always hook up the coffee as well. Plus, you know how to block yourself. I've been half, half on the screen. My face is half on the screen for our uh, video element, which I never use. I can't tell, but
1: I can see my backside in the mirror. There.
0: Well, you know why the the reason I put up that um, photo of me is because sometimes I record myself with the webcam when I'm doing the podcast, and you can see this sort of thin part of my hair in the mirror. <laughs> so I put a picture of me over it.
1: That's amazing. It's an inside <laughs> view of how you think.
0: Yeah, I'm just very self-conscious. But then at the same time I never time, got that I, I exactly. never got that vibe from Self-conscious you, Nick. but unfiltered never is got a the... bad combination.
1: Oh, wow, that's deadly.
0: <laughs> it's really bad.
1: That's social suicide for you.
0: It is, you know, but the thing is, then like Lazarus, you rise.
1: How? Uh, you don't how you kill it? yourself.
0: After committing social suicide. You,
1: you, you, you apologize to everyone. You
0: apologize to everyone. You forget who you Here's are. Here's my
1: problem is I've got a lot of beefs. Yeah. Damien, Damien Abraham called me king of beefs. And yeah. I, I wear that distinction proudly. But I have no intention of squashing any beefs until they come up to me. Well, the thing, That's just how I am.
0: I mean, we talked about this before too, but it's just funny because, you know, I've been I was in two bands at one time and one of those bands was a band that like, someone publicly said something about you. Yeah.
1: Unprovoked, am I right?
0: Probably, yeah. This is how it goes. And the other band was a band that was like playing shows with you and you guys were coming to our shows and stuff. Yeah. you know, So it was an odd dynamic. And you'd just be like, what the hell, man? And I'd go, I don't really
1: know. (laughs) Well, no. I mean, now that the dust is settled, it's jealousy. And, you know, it's such an easy thing to say. But what is jealousy but discomfort,
0: though? You know what I mean, really? Just feeling uncomfortable and lashing out. You know, that's that's just But then
1: unpack the uh, where the uncomfortableness comes from. Race. <laughs> Can we end it here? Yes. I don't want to talk about that. No, we're good. Thank Again, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on your podcast for a second time
0: yes are you Maybe gonna bring damien be, on yes we always do.
1: tag team on other people's podcasts yeah
0: and we're gonna still do a, like a turned out of punk together apparently oh and uh, that'll be your
1: second appearance yes and your your third i've only been on once so your second appearance as well and what oh both of us are going on
0: uh yeah because remember we're supposed yeah. to do the trade-off that's right that's to both right. of us on a podcast but yes you are welcome back here anytime you want and i've got video games
1: when you need filler
0: uh, yeah, but like the need, minor threat song, like when I need that inspiration of that energetic persona of yours, the cocky <laughs> international what, rocker. Do you get
1: this cocky vibe <laughs> from me?
0: No, but I think on stage, I'm trying the to The
1: fuck, man? Hey, people. stage,
0: are, are you ready to rock?
1: I like this. I like this. I like it when it goes here. When you go there, when When you go to this impressions and just off the cuff and (laughs) just whatever's going through your mind at the time and see where it goes. Hello, Leipzig. What's up? See, this is you're doing me in front of me, is that it? Yeah. Do you want to listen to music? (laughs) (laughs) Do you like the drums?
0: Do you like the bass? Do you want to hear my riff? Do you wow. want to hear this song? It's called Crossroads by Robert Johnson.
1: I mean, uh, you see, I can watch this all day. I won't <laughs> <go>. <laughs> Let you dig a hole.
0: I know. It's like losing listeners by the No, dozen. I think you're
1: gaining listeners.
0: I hope so. Maybe I'll get that sweet oh, runoff from
1: your is podcast. Is this the song. longest podcast episode you've had? No,
0: the one with Scott Thompson was three hours. Really? Yeah, and I had my friend Tim Gilbert on. And that was a, We did a two-hour one that we can't use. Why not? Uh, it's just
1: too many names, too many names were no, named, we're, we're
0: at a great, we're, too we're, many
1: names were named.
0: We're at like an hour.
1: You yeah. Know? So good. that's
0: perfect. That's a classic length. So thank Anything you Anything more
1: is, uh, even on our podcast, it's just too much.
0: And that was my interview my talk, my chat with Danko Jones. If you wanna hear what the podcast is like, uh, go to the official Danko Jones podcast on SoundCloud or on I- iTunes and you can hear our much different banter style on that one. I think that I really tried to talk to him more like an interview and uh, for, for this particular episode and I, I thought it went really well because of that. And you know, he's been such a big booster of what I've done for years and years. We actually, uh, you know, he was the person who got me into doing stand-up, so I have a lot to blame him for. And, uh, <laughs> you know, hes I've opened for Danko Jones with stand-up. I've, I've gotten a lot of support from, from the band and from him. So uh, be sure to check out what, whatever Danko Jones has got cooking these days. Anyway, thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. We'll be back soon with more good times. Oh, man. Nick. Oh, God. Flanagan
1: oh, Weekly oh,
0: man. Nick Flanagan
1: Weekly